0: You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. You have reached the Locked On NFL podcast. We come at you daily. I'm a former NFL scout. I was a recruiting assistant at the University of Pittsburgh for three years, director of football ops at Akron. I was at ESPN as an NFL analyst for 10 years. The Locked On Network is bringing your local team every day. There's local experts across the whole network for both NBA and NFL you need to check out. And it's the number one daily sports podcast network in the world right now. So we are booming. And one of the reasons we're booming is every Tuesday we bring on former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels. Sage, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? And doing very well, and it's the perfect time to talk to you because I got an update on my phone as I was dialing you up that after the Vikings' somewhat embarrassing offensive performance in Seattle last night, uh, Coach Filippo was fired as the offensive coordinator in Minnesota. What, what's your take on this? This is a team you're close with.
1: Well, if you want to understand uh, the NFL and misinformation, uh, this is a great way to, this is a great example. Uh, you know, just within the last couple of weeks, you know, because of, you know, Adam Thielen having, whatever it was, seven, eight straight games of over 100 yards, because of Kirk Cousins putting up these big numbers, you know, supposedly, supposedly John D. Filippo was a, a head coaching candidate <laughs> right. uh, around the league. Now he is fired. So what's real uh, and what is you know, put out there by agents and you know, who knows what, uh, obviously what, what is in reality is not what was being perceived there. So, uh, And we've talked about this for a while. Uh, the Vikings' inability to run the football, uh, to uh, not have th- Kirk Cousins in third and long situations, uh, him holding the ball in the pocket as bad things happen. This has gone on too long, uh, and obviously Mike Mike Zimmer and you know, who who knows who what else who else in that uh, in that building at, over uh, in Eagan Minnesota thought that it, this was the time and and they really couldn't do much worse. Obviously Seattle, a good defense, maybe even a great defense if you want to call it that. They're a bunch of young guys with you know a few big names a lot of no namers at this point, but they were tremendous last night. Made this Vikings offense, which has a lot of superstars, a lot of money, look pretty pathetic.
0: Yeah, it's. It's interesting things change quickly in the NFL and like you said some of that probably wasn't truth it was perception or agent generated but a lot of people thought whenever he came to Minnesota De Filippo would be one and done you know it'd be a head coach in 2019 you know have have a great offense in Minnesota they'd tear it up they'd be a Super Bowl contender with that defense but you kind of alluded to it I mean if I'm Zimmer and I'm so defensive minded you got to help my defense a little bit more. You know, I'm complimenting the offense. The offense isn't complimenting me back. Hold the ball a little bit more. You know, I mean, let's, let's sustain some drives. Let's eat some clock. Now Delvin Cook is back, and he looks good to me. He almost got free a few times. I like the way he's moving. Um, the offensive line is far from great, of course. But I, I can see why Zimmer would be frustrated.
1: They have too many superstars on that offense to start off that ball game. Uh, with, I believe, an immediate third and long, you know, unsuccessful. Uh, Then they get in third and three, incomplete pass. Third and two, incomplete pass. Third and one, quarterback sneak. Third and one, incomplete pass. And it's just sort of, you know, trying to get in third and short situations and being unsuccessful. When you throw the ball in third and one, as a play designer, you got to come up with ways for the quarterback to get rid of the football. Uh, if you, if for some reason you decide not to run the football, you don't think you can get a, a run on, on third and one, and third two. Okay. Throw the football. You better find a completion. They couldn't do that. And there's no reason what I said with the sort of the star power they have at the receiver and skill positions, you can't find a matchup for Kirk Cousins to get the ball of his hand. He's running from the pockets. He's throwing the ball away and they're punting. And, uh, they, you know, they got a, an offensive coordinator designs things to give his guys the best chance to have success. And they aren't designing. They aren't really executing. And uh, it makes for a, an embarrassingly bad performance.
0: Yeah. And some of it, I'm going to go back to the offseason for the Vikes a little bit. Because on, the, on draft day, I was critical of them because they passed on Hernandez, the big, mauling, nasty guard that ended up going to the Giants in the early second round. And I thought he would have been perfect for what they were looking to do. Instead, they took a corner, as Zimmer often does. And I have no problem with taking a corner. It was just like, there's a good prospect sitting for you in there in the first round at your biggest need. Why not do it? Uh, They did take O'Neal in the second round. He gets hurt last night. I watched him a lot at Pitt. But this is very much hindsight. Would you rather have Case Keenum and a bunch of million dollars, or would you rather have Cousins in this situation? You know, at this point, with,
1: in particular with the offensive
0: line, you'd rather have Case Keenum. Yeah, you know, right. You'd rather
1: have a guy who can buy a little time or shoot a Teddy Bridgewater, right? Mm-hmm. Guys who sort of make the offensive line better than they are. Maybe not the huge arm, uh, but accurate. You know, keeps the team out of trouble. Can also uh, have an effect on the running game with their legs and the threat of the run. Uh, you know, run more on third down. You know, create a mm-hmm. little bit more. Uh, yeah, Case Keenum would be the better option with this style of offense, with this uh, you know lackluster offensive line and, and passing situations, and and you know for the dollars that would have been, you know another ten million dollars that they could have spent somewhere else. Uh, I agree with you, by the way. And I was, uh, I don't you know I don't follow the draft that closely. I'm not Mel Kuyper. I'm not breaking down the guards, but I saw this big guard that people liked as a late first rounder drop to the second round. Thinking the Vikings need a guard, they'd love to have a mauler. And they, they go for a, a corner late in the first round. They've already got Xavier Rhodes. They've got Trey Waynes. Uh, I like the corner. Hughes, and, and he was a good player. He's also out for the year. He tore his ACL. Maybe he's the guy they were thinking to draft to, to replace Xavier Rhodes in a year or so. And maybe he's getting a little older in the tooth uh, and not quite as quick anymore in the man coverage stuff. You know, I don't know, but they have three first-round corners on the team. And their offensive line with an M.O. quarterback, uh, does not do a very good job in pass protection. Uh, I remember I had a, an, an offensive coordinator one year, and they're talking about the draft, and he's like, you know, people talk about first player available, or I'm sorry, best player available versus need, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, why would you why would you not draft what you need? <laughs> right. Who goes to the grocery store and go, well, you know, I'm not looking for Campbell's Soup, but shoot, they're really cheap. I'm gonna buy a whole bunch of them because I don't because I have a whole bunch at home already. I don't need that, but it's such a good deal. I should just buy them.
0: And my that kids don't eat soup. Any sense. Well, right, yeah, you over- <laughs> right, yeah, right. right? Yeah, You, just you go soup to later. the grocery
1: store buying what you need, you know. <laughs> and uh, so you know, the Vikings had a situation where looks like they went with best player available and maybe a future need, but right now they needed an extra offensive lineman. I they needed a big guard and that would have been perfect. Uh, And I think that's a major mistake looking back.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it is easy to blame DiFilippo, but those two decisions are hurting the team, too, that go back months. Um, I do think Minnesota has a chance to be the the final wild card team in the NFC. It looks like almost a done deal now that Seattle's going to be the five seed, that they are going to go as a wild card. You know, and it's easy to be hard on the Vikes after last night, but. Seattle's got things going man Wilson's playing great they run the ball effectively that young defense like you mentioned is, is swarming. I really think Pete Carroll has a coach of the year type of resume right now you know for what
1: he's working with you know I don't know right. really much for the, you know Dwayne Brown's along that offensive line obviously uh, but you know that's a, that's a position that a position group that has struggled. Uh, tremendously for the last few years. It, it's why they sort of fired everybody on offense. And I think Seattle just simply went to a completely different style of football. And to be honest with you, a style that's similar to the Baltimore Ravens. It ain't going to be pretty. We're going to play defense. We're going to punt the football. We're going to grind it out on the ground. They're leading the league in rushing. All uh, right, And then they got a quarterback who can also run the football in key situations. But they got a couple good backs. The offensive linemen like to come off the football. Brian Schottenheimer is not calling a fancy, complicated game plan. He's taking some shots with his with, with his lockett, his fast wide receiver. He's grinding it out, you know, and if they don't have it, don't turn the ball over. Let's punt. Let's let our defense work and just win ugly. And they just sort of had the lead last night and just sort of. Leaned on the Vikings and leaned on their defense uh, and sort of played big bully football. And, you know, Schottenheimer's never been a type of coordinator in the past, you know, wherever he's been, whether it's St. Louis uh, or or the Jets. And you can say he really hasn't been a great successful coordinator. But I tell you what, his style of offense really is ground and pound. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not creating unbelievable, you know, uh, RPOs and, 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 you know, play action pass plays where there's guys running all over the field and they're throwing up 45 points. He's going to win tight football games. He's going to play be conservative. He's going to design good runs, but they got a good running game going there, and that's making up for a lot of other weaknesses and, and, and faults on that football team. It's a very young football team, which also means those guys are fresh and and you know don't
0: mind playing that way. Yeah, and Wilson's playing very efficient football. Um, Sage, have you ever played in Seattle? Yes. Uh, and where I would you think. rank that in terms of like hardest venues to play at, especially a night game like that last night? I mean that's a brutal situation.
1: You know it's really interesting. I had two opportunities. first game, and this is the year that Seattle was a little down. It may have been the year they even like went to the playoffs seven and nine or something like that. Uh, but it was a day game, so I never played a night game there. Um, and it, it was a tough place to play. and it was you know again it wasn't we weren't a very good football team. I was with the, with the Dolphins. Uh, they weren't a great football team, yet the atmosphere was it was very, very tough uh, for our quarterback AJ Feely, who is in that game. The next time we played there was with the Giants, we're up thirty-five to seven or thirty-five to three or something at halftime. Hmm. Eli Manny was boom, 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 and took that crowd right out of the game. So I I can't actually say uh, and the, definitely the crowd's loud. Uh, definitely you can't hear very much. But I can't say I've been in one of you know those types of atmospheres like last night, a prime time game, a game that had big time playoff implications. Uh, you saw that last night, and it, it it is it's an unbelievably cool stadium. I think it's actually one of the best designed stadiums in the league. Uh, you have that whole bird's nest area on that north side in Seattle. It's 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 a tr- it's a tremendously loud stadium, and they have got great fans and. And it's pretty cool in the Upper Northwest. They got their own little thing going there, and they obviously know they have an effect on that football team.
0: Yeah, it is very cool. And we're going to come back here in a moment and talk Bears-Rams exclusively, really dig into that one. But this episode is sponsored by Action Heat, and I think those fans in Seattle last night, some of the smart ones might have been wearing Action Heat, but they need to know about it. You guys need to know about it. All you skiers out there, people that work outdoors this time of year, anyone in the northern half of the country. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. It's heat on demand at just at the touch of a button. It's really cool. So what it is, it's like clothing that's designed like your heated car seat. And they can reach temperatures up to 135 degrees. They're powered by a rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion battery that lasts up to 12 hours. So it's a whole... of of tailgating and you know being at the game or being outside working the whole time and it's you know it's a phenomenal little system it's perfect for any friend or family on your holiday gift list you know great for anyone works outside skiers snowboarders anyone that loves the outdoors hunters people like that or just hates being cold action heat clothing provides tasty warmth and comfort for your whole body they got jackets they got socks gloves hats even undergarments like you know a base layer shirt and long johns so you can stay cozy and warm from head to toe with action heat they have both men's and women's gear of course great new styles it's very fashionable Make winter winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action Heat is the perfect solution to keep you toasty and warm, even in the most frigid weather. So, here's a special deal for all you guys listening. So, you can save 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on. That's all one word, all lowercase, locked on. Check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com. Slash locked on, and or use the, just use the coupon code locked on again, all lowercase, one word, to check out and save twenty percent. It's something you guys got to do, man. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. And we thank them very much for sponsoring the podcast. All right, we mentioned that we are going to talk bears and Rams. Not the finest day for either one of these quarterbacks.
1: No, it was that was I actually watched that football game this morning uh for my Chicago hit and talk about Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, I also I wanted to watch that Bears defense which means I got to watch the Rams offense and Jared Goff and both quarterbacks really struggled in this football game. Uh you, you know the weather does make a factor for both of these guys and you know let's talk about Jared Goff first. Uh he's from Sal- Southern California, from California, went to Cal, uh you know plays for the Rams, plays in that uh, you know that division which usually doesn't have a lot of bad weather uh, and you could tell he struggles he struggles in, in the cold weather i think his, his his completion percentage or uh you know touchdown the interception ratio his quarterback rating is is not very good when it's under forty degrees and it was a it was not a n- nice night of course there's a lot of worse nights in Chicago in December but that was yeah not right. a great passing night but two uh you know very good defense as well you know it's sort of uh it's you know not great quarterbacking, but it's it's also very good defense. So obviously he really struggled in that game. Uh he struggles when, when people get pressure on him, you know, in that pocket. Uh and obviously that Bears defense and, and Mac was was just uh Mac's just incredible. And I hadn't seen him play that much. I'm not sure about you, but you know, I, I don't watch a ton of bad Oakland Raiders football. So I'm not gonna sit there and watch, you know, Khalil Mack the last couple of years, and man, he is phenomenal. Oh, He's beaten double teams, he has beaten ships. Uh he is sacking the quarterback. He's causing fumbles, uh, you know, causing really causing interceptions by just his his pressure uh and getting uh you know in the quarterback's way and and just a phenomenal player. So, you know, not very good football by Jared Goff and obviously going against a great defense. Now on the other side, Trubisky, watching that film pretty closely this morning. You know, I I always say, and you know, we've said this on this uh you know podcast, decision making and accuracy, right? How many times have I said Decision-making accuracy for a quarterback, you know, and decision-making is, you know, was it the right read? Should you throw that ball? And then, you know, if he's open, were you accurate with it? And that's where Drew Brees is fantastic and Tom Brady's fantastic. Decision-making accuracy. He made some bad decisions and he was extremely inaccurate on on four or five throws in this game. I mean, his interceptions are almost always overthrows on, you know, either seam routes or, or crossing routes and sort of deep crossing routes that are about 15 to 20 yards deep. The ball comes out of his hand wrong or something, it sails over him and there's a safety weight in there. I've seen it now five, six times this year. And and those are they're not that hard of throws, to be honest with yeah. you. You work on those throws in practice a lot. Those 20 yard seam routes, deep crossing routes, you work on those a lot. And the fact that he is missing them, gotta be concerning. You know, if we if we were talking about Lamar uh, Jackson missing these same throws, we would talk about how terrible of a passer he is. He hasn't missed throws like this in my opinion this year. Drabisky has, that's gotta be concerning in his second, you know, year in this offense and, and he threw the ball right to the uh you know, right to the LA Rams, you know, three times and, and one was a bad read and a bad throw behind him on an out route to versus buzzing underneath coverage right to the sort of the nickel strong safety there. Um, and, you know, two just straight overthrows on seam routes and deep crosses right to the free safety.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned the Bears' defense. I mean, they got playmakers at every level. It's much more than Mack. It's a great scheme, very active at all levels, playmakers galore. Roquan Smith's stepping up now as he's learning, and I'm really enamored with their safety, Eddie Jackson. He shows up huge every week. But watching Goff, I mean, I saw his head drop too often, didn't like interior pressure. Didn't look at all comfortable in his surroundings, and that's a tough situation, of course. But you know the bar is set pretty high here, and I was a little shocked they didn't lean on Todd Gurley a little more after seeing that.
1: Yeah, and you know they were their game really is you know run the ball, Todd Gurley, and then a lot of play action. They do I pr- probably more play action than any other mm-hmm. uh, team, any other offense in the NFL, and when you, when you do that, you usually get a lot of. Uh, You know, a lot of good pockets, uh, you know, for the quarterback. And, you know, the Bears were still getting pressure the other night. And we saw Jared Goff does not do well, you know, with pressure. You know, shoot, not many quarterbacks do well with pressure. But if you look at, you know, those two quarterbacks from the other night, Goff is obviously, he's a pocket passer. You know, he can occasionally get out of the pocket and create a little bit. But he sort of reminds me of a mix of Kirk Cousins and Tom Brady in a way. You know, he is a pocket passer. He's not going to run around and make things happen. Trubisky's reminded me of Josh uh, Josh Allen. You know, that's what he reminds me of a lot in a lot of ways. He's super athletic, can beat you with your feet, but not an accurate thrower right now. And But still also a young guy, and you got to give him time. So, uh, yeah, golf really does struggle when he has pressure. He has sort of a long motion. Yeah, he does. Uh, you know, he's a long, lanky guy. Uh, Carson Wentz is also a long, lanky guy. He had a fumble or two this past weekend, somebody hitting the ball coming from behind. You know, that long motion uh, a lot of times you get those, you know, strip sack fumble type of deals as they're throwing. And, and there was a couple of those the other night, obviously really
0: bothered Jared Goff. Yeah, it did. Um, we're going to take another quick break and be back to buzzer on the league. Just talk a couple other quarterbacks. So you know where they're at this stage of the, of the league and going on the league year as they're winding down. So we'll be right back here in a moment. All right, Sage, the, mr Andrew luck to me isn't getting the credit he deserves as one of the absolute elite players at the most difficult position this year he looks phenomenal he looks better and better and yeah. I don't
1: know if you remember this but you know you and I are old enough we remember that Michael Jordan was this great basketball player but in the middle of his career he retired from basketball and played baseball in Birmingham Alabama uh, and then next you know was back playing basketball where number 45. I don't know if you recall this, but I remember watching those early games. And just in that first game, he had a breakaway dunk. And it's one of those dunks where before that, when he was younger days, he would have probably done a 360 or some (laughs) sort of, you know, tomahawk something, you know, windmill, whatever it might have been. And he jumps up and he just sort of does the James Worthy extend the ball. And he barely gets the ball over the hoop. And it's like, man, he just doesn't have that spring in his legs yet. You know, he was playing baseball, doing something different. And I think he got that back, you know, later on that season. The next season, of course, they won more championships. Anyway, going back to the story, Andrew Luck sort of reminds me of the same thing. Early in the year, man, he threw some balls where there just wasn't zip on it. Uh, it's like he didn't quite trust it to totally unload it. You know, those seam routes, you got to. Put you got to really fire it on the line for the most part. But, you know, up and down, up over the linebackers and down before the safeties get there. And it didn't seem like he had that enough juice on, it and the balls were getting broken up or whatever. Now he looks like he's the guy. He looks like Jordan who's dunking three sixties. His arm looks strong. You know, he's really extremely accurate. He's so good uh, in that pocket, such a strong quarterback. Uh, and he doesn't need a, because he's so strong, he doesn't need a lot of space uh, to throw the ball. You know, down the field accurately and. And, uh, and he, you know, played very, very well. That was a huge game. You know, huge. I think they lose that game. They're probably out of the playoffs. He played extremely well against a very good defense with a great defensive line pass rush. And uh, that was an absolutely huge win for the Colts. Keeps them right in it. It's amazing. The NFC and the AFC, a lot of seven and six football teams, seven, five and one, seven and six, six and seven. A lot of teams hovering right there trying to chase that six wildcard spot.
0: Yeah, I think the future is extremely bright for the Colts. I mean, I expect a big offseason, tons of of cap space. But going back to that Jordan analogy, to take it a step further, I mean, I'm not a basketball expert by any stretch, but I think we all know, you know, we remember Jordan dunking from the foul line and winning dunk contests and the tongue out and high flying over huge people and all those things. And then as he aged... He reinvented his game and he became a jump shooter. He'd post up guys, distributed the ball more, play great defense, won with his head more than his body as he aged so gracefully. And I think Luck has already gotten to that point. You know, post-injury, he got by early in the season just being a distributor and the system helped him and get the ball out of your hands. And people forget, I mean, he was coming out of Stanford, he had the brains and the brawn, you know, so he could rely on both... While that arm started to develop,
1: you know, I think your uh, comparison is absolutely perfect with luck. And, and as Jordan's career ain't changed, he realized, you know what, I can't be driving the ball down the lane. I'm getting beat up by the Pistons and everybody yeah, else. I'm right. going to get injured and I'm getting beat up. And he got in the weight room. He, he changed his game to a, a post up and a lot of fadeaways and, and you know, I'm very savvy that way. Uh, and then maybe luck has done that a little bit, you know, rather than trying to be Superman all the time, you know, get the ball out. You're an accurate thrower, you know, make a few plays here and there, do a play action, use TY Hilton for, for the deep stuff. Uh, but, you know, don't expose yourself, you know, live to uh, live to sur- you know, survive for another day. You know, a lot of times uh, is what they say, just get rid of the football and move on. Punting's okay. Uh, and he's, you can tell to so he changed his game, he's a smarter football player. Uh, and by the way, Speaking of the Vikings and, and you know them losing, you know, we haven't talked about this, but as I say you know, Pat Shermer. I think that's had a big effect going back to the Vikings. Pat Shermer and now John D. Filippo, the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, for sure, who are probably not going to make the playoffs. They lost John D. Filippo. That doesn't seem to be the guy that helped Philly last year. But Frank Reich, Frank Reich leaving Philadelphia, and now sure enough, boom! All of a sudden, this team in Indianapolis, the offensive line's all of a sudden better. They did go out and get that guard, by the way, uh, in the first down And Nelson, who has been a really good player for them. Frank Reich has changed this football team. Talk about coach of the year nominees. I put him very high up there. I was not expecting a whole lot from the coach with, with, with luck returning from his injury, with the crappy offensive lines of years past. Wasn't expecting a lot. Frank Reich has made a huge difference for this football team.
0: Yeah, he should be right at the top of the list, too. I mean, I thought this was a six-win talent team. You know, I mean, as much as I loved Luck, I just didn't think there was much around him on either side of the ball. Let's end on Wentz and the Eagles. You mentioned it, and I I think he's absolutely phenomenal, and I've told you many times that if I'm building a team, he's right at the top of the list of the guys I want. But my hunch is when we look back 10, 12 years from now and we look at Wentz's career – we're going to say 2017, they won the Super Bowl. He was phenomenal. He was an MVP caliber guy. 2018, but rich, but, rich, but, didn't, but didn't but didn't win this. But really didn't win. But the really Super Bowl, didn't. Right? right. That is noteworthy, yeah. of course. And then this year, I think we'll look at it and be like, that was a down year by the the great standards he put up ten years in the future. And why why was that? They just came off a Super Bowl win. They should have been a loaded team. But you mentioned it. you lose two prominent, prominent coaches. He comes back from an, a major injury, probably faster than he should have. He's still okay, but he's up and down. They don't have the vertical threat. They didn't have a running game for much of the year. But I bet 2019 is a lot more like 2017.
1: Yeah, you know, they, they, this team has been decimated by injuries. And, uh, you know, by the way, and again, uh, going you know, sort of like the Vikings, you know, they lost. It looks like Frank Reich, a pre-dame coordinator. And I think it's, you know, that was probably a, There might have been a little bit more juice with Frank Reich, whether it's ideas, uh, you know, going into the game, you know, how much influence he had with the play calling last year. My my guess is Doug Peterson calls most of the plays, Uh, but obviously they miss him and and what, you know, he brought to that football team. You know, they're also just a different team, Uh, your entire team. Their defense has been, has injuries all over the place, which then does does affect an offense. Offenses may try to do more. Uh, You know, they're not run the ball as well, you know, I thought like Garrett Blunt was a really good back for them. A Ajayi was a good back for them guys that could really grind it out, get four or five yards that puts a quarterback in a really advantageous situation. They don't have that. Now it's a different football team. And, and uh, they're, you know, trying to probably rely more on, on Wentz. And, and again, another, another good team, the year of the offense, but another team, the Dallas Cowboys who have a very, very good defense And, and Wentz and that they, they really struggled against that pass
0: rush and, and they're not running the football very well. No, you're 100% right. Uh, Sage, let's do this again next week. In the meantime, I urge all of you to check out the rest of the Locked On Network. If you want in-depth Eagles or whomever, Cowboys like we talked about, check out your team every day. I mean, the local local experts around the, the network are phenomenal. And like I said before, it's the number one daily sports podcast network in the world right now. So that's a wrap for today. Tomorrow I will be back with Mike Renner. Then I, from Pro Football Focus, Mike Sando joins me from ESPN, an old friend of mine. And then I will pick games on Friday as usual. So that is a wrap.